welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. I'd call this a bonus episode, but that's kind of unfair. It's just just the next episode. This was a timely one, so we wanted to get it out. Uh, But in this, I'm talking with, and and hang on, because this is a long title. I don't know how she fits this on a business card. But I'm talking with Dr. Rosemary Sifford. And her title is United States Department of Agriculture's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, Deputy Administrator, Veterinary Services, and Chief Veterinary Officer. (laughs) Fit that on a business card. So anyway, uh, talking with her about African swine fever. Uh, The USDA is kind of doing a a push to build awareness of that and doing um, everything they can to make sure that does not come over to North America or to the United States. It's showing up in some of the Caribbean areas. So... um, We'll just jump right into this and let you guys hear this. There's there's a little bit of delay because um, there were some technology technological issues. You'll actually hear an odd break, but uh, there's a little bit of delay in our communication. So uh, so there is some some heavy pauses, but uh, I still think the information is, is plain to hear and valid for what we're talking about. All right, let's get right to it. And uh, some acronyms we'll use there. Obviously, the USDA, and I assume uh, APHIS is another acronym that we'll run into in this discussion. Absolutely. And um, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, which Veterinary Services is a part of. Very good. Very good. So the topic uh, that Dr. Sifford is bringing to us today, and, and I just think it's very timely that we have this discussion. Um, most of our audience, Dr. Sifford, is is pastured pig raisers, so they, they kind of go with the slow food movement. The regenerative agriculture model is what we're following, uh, but we're still pig producers. We, uh, we have a lot of farms that produce thousands and thousands of head a year, all the way down to the the homesteader who's maybe doing one or two pigs for their own personal consumption. So that's kind of the audience we're dealing with here. But you're here to tell us about an issue that's um, that's on your mind and obviously part of a, a, a process of discussion that the USDA is bringing forward, and that's the concern with African swine fever. Is that correct? Yes, sir. African swine fever is a highly contagious and deadly disease of pigs that has devastated pork industries and economies in several countries around the globe. And if detected in the United States, it would certainly ravage our swine population and our pork trade. So while it's not a disease that impacts human health, um, it could have a very detrimental impact on our swine population. And so it's very important for us to have producers have knowledge of prevention tools. Very good. Is, is there, is this something new? Is this just a new outbreak? Has it been around forever and we're just now hearing about it? Or is, or is there something specific going on right now? Well, African swan fever has been um, known as a disease of concern for quite some time, but it was mostly limited um, to countries within Africa. And in about 2018, it spread to Asia, and since that time has spread to many countries um, around the world, including Asia and Europe, 
and in 2021 was detected for the first time in the Western Hemisphere in the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Um, and so that detection so close to us. So after the detection in the Dominican Republic and Haiti in 2021, we determined that it was really important for us to ensure that our defenses were um, in excellent shape. And we have been working on that since that time. We have developed a number of resources for producers to help them improve their biosecurity and understand um, potential uh, clinical signs if they were to have the disease. And we have a lot of resources available for producers on our website, which is www.aphis.usda.gov backslash protect our pigs. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Yes, and I will make sure to include that link uh, directly in the show notes. Y'all can click on that and check that out. Uh, so, Dr. Sivert, so if what's the main spread? How's the transmission of African swine fever spread the most common? Well, in the areas in Africa where it has existed for a long time, ticks are the primary um, way that the disease is spread from animal to animal. But in the outbreaks that we're seeing around the world, humans are actually um, the most dangerous uh, thing moving around. Humans can spread the disease on their clothing or equipment or by moving uncooked pork products that might have the virus in it. Um, and in many cases, countries have um, determined that the way the disease got into their country was um, from a human who brought something unintentionally with them and it came into contact with pigs. So is this disease 100% fatal for the pig? Will, will some recover? Is there any type of uh, vaccine or cure currently? So some strains of the disease are uh, very highly fatal, so maybe not 100%, but, but high percentages of pigs would die. However, there are some strains that we're seeing evidence of um, in certain places like the Dominican Republic that are not as highly fatal, and you might have pigs that survive. Um, and so that's an important thing for um, for us to be aware of and that you might not see huge death loss in every case. And unfortunately, there's not a vaccine available at this time. Um, we've been working very closely with partners around the world in efforts to develop an effective vaccine. Um, but African swine fever is a very large virus um, and it has some unique qualities that make it difficult to develop a vaccine for. So. While we're working very hard on that, it's not an option today, which makes biosecurity all the more important. Hmm. Okay. So what's the incubation period normally? If we think maybe we've had exposure, how long should we wait for looking for symptoms in our swine? Well, it's going to be relatively short, so um, a couple of weeks at most, um, that you might see um, some indication that you have a disease. But again, there could be a wide variety of clinical signs and it could look like other diseases. And so we do have information on our website um, that would uh, give you information, give producers information about the signs they might see. And I would encourage uh, folks to visit the Protect Our Pigs website to see that and then contact a veterinarian if they have any concerns about something that they're seeing in their pigs. Hmm. 
Very good. So it sounds like, as you said, biosecurity is, is really the front line here in America that we need to be dealing with. Um, could you give us maybe just a quick, I know the website goes into detail of that, but you give us a quick summary of what we as, as pork producers who have our pigs outside, not in a confined area, but outside, what would you recommend would be the, the most basic steps for biosecurity? Yes, some of the most basic things you can do are to be aware of uh, visitors and post signage to discourage visitors from um, coming into the area where you keep your pigs without your permission, um, because you just never know what a visitor might bring with them. And, and visitors can be, um, in, you know, anybody. And you sometimes don't think about, um, you know, people who might come to your property and the impact they might have. So it's just important. Um, that's one key thing. And then particularly for pastured pigs in areas of the country that might have feral swan, it's important to prevent access to feral swan. Um, so while we have a monitoring program to do surveillance in feral swan in the United States, it is uh, possible that we could have an incursion that might get into the feral swan um, before domestic pigs. So really important for pastured pork producers to to uh, protect their pigs from access to feral swan as well. Hmm. Very good. Yeah, so if if our pigs would con uh, contract uh, swine fever, is there a is there an immunity after that? Does it run its course, or is there a chance for reinfection? <clears throat> Since African swine fever is a foreign animal disease, meaning it is not a disease that is present in the United States, um, we would want to make sure that the the disease um, is removed entirely from the United States. So in the event of a animal testing positive for African swine fever, um, we would work very closely with a producer to, to quarantine the herd and to continue to test the herd and remove any animals. Um, that that might test positive and remove any contact animals so that um, we could ensure that the virus couldn't continue circulating. We would also work with producers in the area to do surveillance, do some testing, and um, make sure that the virus isn't present at any other herds. Hmm. Um, this virus would uh, devastate our trade, and so we want to be sure that we do not have it circulating in the United States. Yeah, so it, it sounds like out of necessity that we're, we're talking about a cull situation here, that if we've got any positive testing in our herd, then, then we're most likely looking at culling uh, the, con the herd and the contact animals around that. Is that fair to say? Yes, we're definitely interested in making sure that we don't have any positive animals um, on the landscape. Yeah, so for, so I want to chime in on that with our audience. So this is why you hear Dr. Siver talking about biosecurity. This is where we want to invest our efforts, people. We want to invest in in keeping our farms closed loop, keeping them as clean as possible, and keeping that outside contact as minimal as possible. Because once it gets in, it's it's not like uh, you know take two aspirin and call me in the morning. This is this is going to be. This is going to pretty much eradicate your operation, uh, especially in a pastured pig situation where um, we, we've got a lot of co-mingling in our herd. So, so keep that in mind as you're as you're thinking about this. So, so 
I know this is not necessarily a fair question, Dr. Sifford, but what are the chances we're going to see this show up in North America? Or what you're all seeing with data you know, showing up in the Dominican in 21, do we think it's just a matter of time before it shows up here? Well, we've had um, import um, restrictions in place to prevent the entrance of classical swan fever, which is another um, disease of swan that circulates in many countries in the Western Hemisphere for a long time. And we have successfully um, kept classical swan fever out of the United States. And the, the protocols to keep African swan fever out are similar in many ways. Um, so I think we have um, a good chance of keeping it out of the United States and keeping our herd protected and safe. Um, but it does require us to all work together um, and report any evidence of the disease being here so that if it does come, we could have an early detection and and be able to remove it very quickly. But I think there's a really good chance that we can avoid that um, through the procedures that we have in place uh, to prevent uh, potentially infected product entering the United States. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so let me ask you this question. So on the website, it talks about some of the signs, and, and again, people, you can click on that link to look at those in detail. But uh, for the, the typical pig farmer who deals with a variety of, of illnesses and diseases that come through their through their pigs sometimes, is there anything that really jumps out for that you could put in our minds, plant that seed in our minds to say, hey, if you see this in particular, we may have an issue here. Yeah, unfortunately, African swan fever doesn't have a clinical sign that is, you know, specifically related to only that disease. So certainly if you're experiencing an unusual death loss or something of that nature, um, you know, it's important to call a veterinarian. Um, the other kinds of diseases that, that African swine fever can mimic if you have a, um, a low virulent strain or one that doesn't kill a lot of pigs right away um, are diseases like PERS, where you see um, some reddening of the ears and some things of that nature. So it can mimic some other diseases, and that certainly um, makes it a challenge to differentiate African swine fever from other diseases, but certainly anytime you see something unusual, uh, uh, unusually high death loss, um, calling a veterinarian is very important. Okay, and I'd like to maybe explore that a little bit further. So calling a veterinarian, I see there's a, a number here on the website, obviously called the USDA. What would be that step? Would it be a local vet coming out to to, to run some tests? Uh, and, and, and that has, a, I assume, a certain certain clock is ticking there to, to some degree. Uh, yeah, so if you call a local veterinarian, um, uh, your private practitioners are trained to, um, to collect samples for a number of different swan diseases. And um, if they have a suspicion that it might be African swan fever or another foreign animal disease, um, they would get in touch with the regulatory veterinarians, either with the state animal health official or with USDA APHIS Veterinary Services. Um, and then we'd work very closely with that private practitioner to make sure we got the samples that we need and, um, and that we're able to test those samples quickly and, and, and get information back to the private practitioner and the producer as quickly as possible. And then certainly if it 
it's something that is not a foreign animal disease that gives the producer information to understand what they need to do, what, what other disease they might be dealing with, and, and, that, and then they and their veterinarian can follow up on that. And if it is a foreign animal disease, we'd continue to work closely with them to, to quarantine and, and make sure we take care of uh, re- removing any animals that are affected. Okay. Um, so, so here's something I think maybe is unique to, to the pastured pig world, and I would be curious to get your take on this. So I'd assume, uh, let's say worst case scenario, God forbid this happens, but let's say we get an outbreak here in the United States, so we've got some pig operations that have swine fever. I assume in, in a CAFO situation where uh, the confined animal, the the they're confined, they're called, whatever's taken care of there. The, the, the animals that are infected are no longer an issue. But what about the environment? In, in, a, in a confinement situation, I'm sure that can be sterilized pretty easily. Uh, well, not necessarily easily, but it can be sterilized. But in a pastured operation, what's the protocol there? After the disease has run its course and the animals have been called or quarantined or taken away, what are we looking at as far as uh, time or issues associated with bringing another herd in and rebuilding our, our herd in that situation? Yes, the African swine fever virus can um, live in the environment for um, a period of time, so um, several weeks to, to potentially months, depending on the temperatures and the moisture content in the soil and and things like that. And so, um, you're absolutely correct that in a in an operation where the animals are confined in an area that could be cleaned and disinfected, so. Um, uh, you know, a, a confinement building might have concrete or or metal surfaces that could easily be cleaned and disinfected. So, um, usually in a facility like that, we we would work to to do that cleaning and disinfection and and remove the virus. In an outdoor facility, that's obviously not possible immediately. And so, dependent on the conditions, we might recommend a fallow period, a period of not having um, animals in that area. Um, and and it, the amount of time that that would take would depend on the specific conditions. So, um, a nice, moist, warm environment would be longer than a, a very hot, dry environment. Um, you know, if you're suffering through um, a hard winter with lots of snow, that would take longer as well, trying to, to work through all that. So uh, it's hard to give an exact time frame, but, but our goal would be to, um, to, to give the, the soil um, time for the virus to, to die. And that might be longer again in a moist, warm environment than in other environments. Okay. Very good, very good. So, are there are there any other wildlife carriers we need to be concerned of? And again, a pasture operation, we've got a lot of the wild birds and and some of the other animals that access feed and in in those things when the when the pigs are, are feeding from their from their feeders or their troughs. Um, is there an opportunity for those uh, wild animals to be carriers as well, other than just feral pigs? So other wild animals would only be carriers if they had um, been in contact with um, um, a feral pig that has the disease. So pigs are the only species affected by this virus. It would be possible for um, a scavenger um, type animal, so a scavenger bird or another small mammal that might scavenge you know, that was that was um, scavenging on an infected wild pig carcass to then carry that virus with them if they came onto the farm. 
Um, but that'd really be the only way that an animal other than um, another pig would would be moving the virus um, onto the farm. Okay. Okay. And and then one one more question along those lines. I know the website talks about feed and of course um, uh, semen situation. So a lot of our a lot of our listeners um, some have boars on on farm. Others do a lot of AI. So uh, I assume even in the AI practices, there's there's opportunities for transmissions there if the um, if the incubation period is is short or long enough and in a in a dose is taken that could possibly be transmitted through AI, AI. But also there was something mentioned about feed that could also be transferred through feed as well. Yeah, the, the, well, the transfer through feed would again be in a situation where um, somehow that material became contaminated. So um, one of the concerns that has been raised is um, feed or feed ingredients that are imported uh, from um, areas of the world that have African swine fever virus and the potential that that, that material could be contaminated before it's shipped to the United States. Um, we think that's a, a relatively low risk in comparison to some of the other ways that humans might unintentionally move the virus around. But we certainly appreciate um, the the um, producers who've taken steps to either ensure that their feed and feed ingredients um, are not being imported from countries of concern, or if they are, that those feed ingredients are uh, properly handled to mitigate the the risk, and so some producers are, um, and some feed manufacturers are um, holding imported feed ingredients for a certain period of time, or exposing them to heat, or other methods that might mitigate the possibility of a contamination with the virus. And and we certainly appreciate um, those uh, manufacturers and producers who've taken those um, steps to further ensure that the risk of their feed is very low. Yeah, okay. And and then as far as the artificial insemination issue? Um, again, you know, our expectation would be that any uh, semen being collected would be um, collected from um, healthy boars and um, boar studs generally um, monitor the health status of their animals very closely so we would consider that uh, low risk mm. um, but certainly appreciate the effort that uh, producers and industry put into ensuring that they're only collecting semen from healthy animals um, so that we don't risk uh, transmission through that route yeah. yeah very good very good okay so i have another question this is kind of an odd question but it's i, I think of again our audience um, a lot of us are small farmers, and we have a lot of um, resources, a lot of our, our money tied up in our herds and, and, and our businesses that we're doing here. So in a situation of worst-case scenario where there's an outbreak on our farm, uh, herds are called, uh, there's a fallow period, all that runs into play. Are, are there any programs that the USDA is considering offering to you know, for rebound options for, for these small farmers? Is there anything like that in place? Or... What's that look like right now? Yes, there certainly are. Um, and just in a general sense, when um, when USDA APHIS is uh, dealing with an animal health outbreak, um, the Secretary of Agriculture has authority to um, to offer 
compensation to producers for animals that we find it necessary to um, to take as a part of, of removing either sick animals or, or contact animals. And so our expectation would be that, um, you know, we, we would be operating with producers uh, in a system where if we were in an outbreak, we would be um, uh, talking with them about the amount of compensation that we can offer directly for those animals. And then um, we generally also uh, are have the, the secretary has the authority to um, to work with producers on um, for compensation for any other um, related activities such as cleaning and disinfection or, or anything like that that needs to take place. Okay, wonderful, very good, thank you. Well, I, I know you I know you have X amount of time, and I don't want to I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I would like to just just ask you if, if you could is is there a closing comment or a summary you would like to to just leave our audience with kind of a parting comment to to stay vigilant about? Yes, um, I, I think particularly for pastured pork producers, it is really important to to be aware of that biosecurity aspect. Um, there are opportunities for um, uh, either uh, feral swan or people to potentially to visit a location that might be um, less obvious. So I think that vigilance and posting signs and just practicing really good biosecurity continues to be um, our, our most important tool to prevent this disease in the United States and prevent it from spreading. And so if producers can um, check out the information on our Protect Our Pigs website. They can find a lot of information there to help um, raise their awareness of ways to increase their biosecurity and potentially their neighbors and friends as well. Very good. Very good. Well, Dr. Sifford, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're, you're very busy and there's a lot going on at the, I'm sure, the level that you operate, but I thank you for taking the time to talk to us and share this information with us. Yes, thank you very much for the opportunity. We are very interested in protecting our pigs. Wonderful. Well, I pray you have a good day. Thank you. Well, I appreciate Dr. Sifford uh, coming on the podcast and sharing that information with us. Um, as you heard, the the best defense, of course, is just prevention way on the front end. So uh, practice your biosecurity. Just keep an eye on that type of stuff. And, um, you know, the more closed loop you can keep your farm, the better. I'm going to post a link to the website that they referred to. Um, and uh, so you can check that information out if you want to get more info. And um, do whatever you can to keep your pigs safe, y'all. It's crazy stuff going on. Globalization is <laughs> taking over the world. <laughs> all right. Well, I pray everyone have a great week. You all take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.